Support for this podcast and the following message comes from KUST Campus Radio, a student-operated, non-commercial radio station. KUST provides students and faculty of St. Thomas a platform dedicated to creative storytelling, diverse viewpoints, and exploring a vast array of audio content. Tune in anytime to KUST at Mixler.com slash KUST hyphen radio. Welcome to Cold Facts Hot Takes. In this podcast, we will discuss pop culture conspiracy theories and the cases around them. Today, we'll talk about the Dilatov past conspiracy and our own personal theories. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our pilot episode of Cold Facts Hot Takes. I'm Kayla Mayer here with my co-host. May McFarlane. What's up, Kayla? I am ready to talk about what happened to the hikers at Dilatov Pass. Me too. I This is one of my like OG favorite conspiracy theories. It's wild. It's so, ooh, I got goosebumps thinking about it. So mysterious. Yeah. So, Kayla, do you want to give our listeners a little background and um, start from the beginning of this? It's actually a really sad story, but it's very controversial in a lot of ways, I think. Mm-hmm. It's. I think part of what makes it so interesting is that this is just a – it starts out as such a normal thing. Um, a group of college students decide to – uh, go on an expedition of sorts. Um, go hiking in the Ural Mountain area. Mm-hmm. Um, Northern s- Russia, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Si- not Siberia quite, but up there, right? Yeah. In the May conditions- check that fact. <laughs> <laughs> the conditions are um, pretty similar, I'd say. Just very windy, pretty desolate, mm-hmm. very snowy, cold. Um, and it was to commemor- commemorate. 25 years of communism right that's what i read somewhere but that could be i have no idea it'd be pretty interesting um so on january 23rd 1959 igor dilatov led a group of nine of his friends from ural polytechnic institute um on this expedition um there were eight men two women uh until towards the beginning of the trip one of them Yuri Yudin he started to feel ill and he ended up staying home yeah back in one of the Muncie mm -hmm, he stayed behind so then he turned out for the best for him (laughs) yeah it did really (laughs) he's the only survivor of the original group correct yes okay Mm -hmm. so the plan was that it was going to be about 16 days um they were going to end up at the mountain O'Torton, um, send a telegram to their sports club at their university mm-hmm. from a small village there. Um, but they didn't really provide an exact timeline, so of when they would be sen- sending this tele- telegram, mm-hmm. they were supposed to contact them around February 14th. Yeah, and you know, as we even know today, those kind of trips like that, the timeline is always a very rough estimate, and so. I'm just going to jump ahead real quick. They didn't find, they didn't know these people were missing until, what, three weeks later when they found their campsite? Mm -hmm. Like, they they didn't have any too big of worries until then. Yeah. So, the last document of them being alive was on February 1st, and Mm -hmm. they didn't start the search party until February 20th. Yeah. Ugh, that's... 
crazy. Mm -hmm. So the dynamics of this group was that they were all pretty good friends. Um, Mm -hmm. They were all experienced campers um, with these types of conditions. So just very blizzardy, snowy, windy. Mountaineers kind of people. Yes. Um, And even though it was a co-ed group, there weren't any weird romances there. Um, They took a lot of pictures. They even had a group newspaper that documented their journey and it was basically just a group diary for them yeah and then things take a turn for the worst on february 1st they began to make their way through what was then an unnamed pass to or torton and as we know now it is named after igor dilatov the dilatov pass mm-hmm. and it's really interesting because what they they did so um the Muncie people are like, they are a native group to Russia, and they the um, the Dilatov Pass group stopped in a Muncie town for a couple of days, and that's where uh, Yuri Yudin stayed home, right? And they had a name for this pass called Kolot Saikal, which means dead mountain, and you know these college kids go anyways, and so it's really interesting that you know, what happens there, and these Muncie people knew that it wasn't a good idea. Mm -hmm. We should listen to our elders, is the moral of the story. Yes, if (laughs) the Native people say don't go, do not go. Don't do it. They know. Yeah. Um, You're a visitor on their land. (laughs) Don't go. So they're making their way through this pass. Um, It's Mm -hmm. snowstorms, it's windy, it's it could be as cold as negative 30 degrees out on um, they have low visibility they decide to make camp on the slope of a mountain and this is where it all happens this is where it goes down and it's interesting um in some of other research and stuff and other podcasts that kayla and i listened to during our research for this episode it's camping on the slope of a mountain i think is really dumb because especially I mean, I'm no camper, I'm no mountaineer, and these are trained people, but you would want to go into a covered area, like a tree, a tree line or something mm-hmm. at the base of the mountain, I would assume, or at a, um, a flat area instead of camping in an uncomfortable position, number one, at a slanted angle. And I feel like that's more prone for avalanches or for like w- high winds and stuff mm-hmm. instead of being at the base. And so that's this has always been a really interesting part for me that they chose to camp where they camped because that's you would think with their experience they would know better yeah i mean when they're climbing the mountain they probably have like later they'd have no choice but to Mm -hmm. camp on the mountain and like being experienced campers i'm sure that they have had to do that before yeah but what's really but going off of your point it is really intriguing because less than a mile away there was a f- small forest. Yeah, the tree Wait. line was right there. And, you know, there's theories, and we'll come back to this when we do our um, theory discussion towards the end of the show, but the there's a theory that, you know, this a snowstorm had started before they, like, had gotten to where they wanted to for the day, and so they just kind of hunkered down and, you know, ultimately led to their demise. But a mile away when 
in reality, when they've hiked almost 160 miles on this trip, I don't think would have made that much of an effort, you know, and it, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I don't know what I'm talking about. I didn't, I don't hike. <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going out in the, the snow for this kind of thing, but it's just really, I, would you agree, Kayla? Like, I think this is just, it's almost like a rookie mistake, mm-hmm. an impulsive mistake. Yeah. I mean, I really, I think that this is where there's more to the story than what mm-hmm. we know. I think that they did have I agree. reasons and um, especially considering their experience, they wouldn't mm-hmm. just say, hey, let's just let's camp here, camp on this mountain for fun. Yeah. No, I, I'm assuming that something happened, you know, it, and probably did. Mm-hmm. They're tired and it's in, like we said, it's dark, you know, visibility's low. And as all of us know, since we live in Minnesota, when there's sun and snow, you can't see anything. It's, it's all reflecting back up mm-hmm. right at us. So that's always, there's a lot of factors that went into this decision. And I, again, this was 60 years ago now, this year. And so um, we just don't know what happened. And that's the haunting part about this story but it's also so interesting mm-hmm. yeah so then february 20th they haven't heard anything from the group of campers and they launch a search party and it's not until february 26th that they find their tents and their tents are abandoned um and they're sliced open from the inside with most of their belongings still there including mm-hmm a lot of their shoes yeah which and again i'm sorry i'm kind of like giving everyone a sneak peek into the theories but it's there's images of their bodies and there are some people who are just in their underwear and then there are other people who have long johns socks three pairs of pants mittens and socks on their hands you know it is a very wide array of how the people left their situation. But it the timeline is almost non-existent. We have no clue who um, died first, yeah. who left, like when it happened. It's just all very fuzzy. And that's kind of the mystery to this story is that every person died very differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which exactly. is, And we'll get into that in a couple minutes, but it's – that's what's so weird is that every single person has different injuries caused by completely different sources it's incredible and it's the way that their bodies are covered um when Kayla and I were just talking about that tree line about a mile away from the campsite there was two campers that ended up going um to the tree line from what they could tell and that's where they found their bodies Um, two men named Yuri and they were found shoeless and only in their underwear by some trees and they had started a small fire right and Mm -hmm. you know and that's kind of well they were trying to stay warm that's one thing or I imagine this was at night when all this happened and they just needed a light to get back to the campus they probably if something had attacked them supposedly they would have just ran Mm -hmm. but why would they be sleeping in their underwear yeah, and I think that's, like, 
goes into we'll get into this later but um it goes into the timeline of when they died because they didn't mm-hmm. all die at the same time and of course that's all speculation because there's no proof they didn't find the bodies all at the same time they mm-hmm. have no idea basically these two weeks there's just so many unknowns yeah um but yeah the yuris were found <laughs> our boys <laughs> our boys with their small fire found so sad. yep right by a big tree and um three more found right away like february 26th um they assumed they were on their way back from this improvised campsite mm-hmm. um including the leader dilatov um and all five of these campers died of hypothermia. There was no external damage, you know, nothing. There was some internal damage, but it was, it could have been from snow piling on. It, it, there's a lot mm-hmm. of, like, factors that could have done that. But, Kayla, just one thing about the Yuris. Um, they had tried to climb the tree. Their, um, their hands had no skin left mm-hmm. on them because they had tried to climb the tree, which is so interesting. And... Um, allegedly, I've only read this in a couple places, but there were, okay. There was flesh on the. Yeah. Listeners, this is a little gross. There was flesh like 10 feet up the tree. So they had gotten up there. So if they were running from something or someone, these poor men like were so scared. And that's just, again, I've said this like six times. It's just wild. Mm -hmm. And so it's really interesting that they died of quote unquote hypothermia. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, how do we know? We just, we don't know. And so it's really interesting about that. But then, you know, as we're saying, Dilatov, Zaneda, and Rustam, they all just died in the snow, supposedly, from hypothermia or exhaustion even. You know, they didn't have any physical um, wounds. Yeah, nothing out of the ordinary. Yeah, and that's just so wild. But the crazy part they find out three months later yep yeah go uh tell us about that kayla it's wild (laughs) yeah so this normal hypothermia case turns into something else entirely in Mm -hmm. may when the snow starts to melt and they find the last four campers Mm -hmm. so they're found deeper into the forest inside a small ravine there and all but one of them, Alexander Kolvatov. Uh, yeah. I. Again, they're Russian and German, and so Kayla and I are gonna butcher their names. Yep. It's it's inevitable. Sorry, everyone. Yep. But I'm, I apologize in advance. Yeah. So Alexander Kolvatov. There we <laughs> Kolvatov. go. Kolvatov. It. Yeah. It's just so weird. But the little ravine that they were found in looks like they had dug it because there were rocks. Again, there's photos of this online. Feel free to look them up. We'll try to link some. Uh, we'll, we will link our resources in the um, description. Yeah. But fact check us. Fa- fact check us and do let us know. Do the math. Please. Because we're Kojo majors. We don't do math. <laughs> <laughs> Keep the math uh, away from me. <laughs> yes. But it's interesting because they had dug themselves into this. And a lot of people think it's um, as a windbreak or as a um, a way to stay warm, you know, getting underground in the snow is probably the best way to do that Mm -hmm. so you're blocking yourself from wind and through new layers of 
the elements and stuff but yeah and especially if there's a snowstorm going on you're gonna want to hide from the elements a little bit as best uh you can yeah and so as kayla was just saying before i interrupted her i apologize um kolvatov had no fatal injuries nothing on his body externally could have killed him and so he's the only one in this group of four that could have died from hypothermia overall but um nikolai um he had significant skull damage right before his death and i read somewhere that it was relatable to getting hit with a car i read that on one of the um dilatov pass websites there's a lot out there you guys Mm -hmm. you can web sleuths are the most serious people i've ever ever met but you know, that's crazy to think about a skull injury that severe. Mm-hmm. And then Ludmilla and Semyon, um, they both had major chest factors caused by immense force. And again, similar to that of a car crash. And it was their um, chest bone that got broken, right? Yeah. And so that could have punctured their lungs, causing their death. But I think a lot of internal bleeding probably happened from those two injuries. Mm-hmm. And then... But wait. There's more. There's more. This is where it gets really, really Yeah, this freaky. is the... Again, um, skip 15 seconds if you don't like icky things. But uh, Ludmila was missing a tongue, both eyes, part of her lips, facial tissue, and a fragment of her skull were all gone. And so basically, the skin from her, like, around her mouth to her nose was all gone and then her eyes and tongue were missing and that's a hard thing to to do as i mean we, we know serial killers do that people have the ability to do that but that is but there was no again in the pictures and from medical examiner notes there was no trauma around the eyes that like showed force of Excuse me, that's just so gross. I don't... (laughs) Yeah. Ugh. Icky. Yeah, and with that, like, that doesn't happen naturally. No, and so they... A snowstorm does not do that. No, and so a lot of people think, you know, animals, but that would have been a lot messier. Mm -hmm. It's the KGB. Always has to be. It's the KGB. Sneak peek into our theories. Yeah, we'll get into that. (laughs) Refrain yourself. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm ready for that, but... You know, they, um, Ledmula and, um, excuse me, Semyon, they wrapped their bodies in ex- other people's clothes. And this is what I was talking about earlier, how, you know, the first two Yuris died almost naked. Mm-hmm. And then these two are found in layers of clothes. So Ludmilla was wrapped in Krishnov's wool pants, Semyon in um, Ludmila's coat and hat, and several pieces of the clothing tested positive for um, radiation, mm-hmm. which another sneak peek into a conspiracy theory that we will dive into. But these two were covered the most. They, And so it's, uh, it's assumed they died last. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And especially Simeon died last because he was wearing Ludmilla's coat. Yeah. But it's it's very interesting. And Kayla, talk about the funeral for these bo- for them. It's weird. 
Yeah, so at the funeral, um, people reported that their bodies had an orange tinge and that their hair had grayed. Um, people think that that was just kind of natural, like their their bodies had mummified. And the decomposition and stuff. But these were 25-year-olds, 20 to 25-year-olds? Yeah, roughly. Yeah, and so, I mean, I there are people who are in their 20s with gray hair, but... I don't think that is part of the, um, what's the word, mummification process or decomposition. I feel like hair loss could be, but that orange tinge to their skin is mummification, Mm. which is really interesting. But there's a lot of speculation around their um, burial and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So... With the case, there was a very brief investigation um, started after they found these last bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was quickly closed and ruled, quote, the cause of death was an unknown compelling force which the hikers were unable to overcome. What the heck? <laughs> I mean, sure, but that's just such a, a broad unknown death. And... um. You know, the criminal investigation opened and closed in May. Spontaneous power of nature blamed. I mean, yeah, people die by natural causes and nature all the time. But to this extent is a little suspicious. Um, But Kayla, this has been reopened this year back in February. And it's been 60 years, as I said earlier. And these... This new investigation really looks at three main theories, and we'll get into them in more depth, but one is avalanche, a snow slab, which we'll describe in a moment, and a hurricane, which I don't think it means a conventional hurricane, like how we think of hurricanes. I believe they're kind of going with the phenomenon of high winds mixed with the moisture from the snow and where we they are on the mountain. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's accurate yeah not hurricane katrina type yeah no it's more polar vortex kind of storm is where i'd put it yeah but you want to talk about the um, press conference they had yeah so when they reopened this investigation um earlier this year they had a friend a close friend of dilatov um talk and he said that he just kind of affirmed that, you know, these guys knew what they were doing. He mm-hmm. said that um, he had gone with Dilatov on a similar expedition. Yeah. Um, they went to the sub subpolar Urals together, and they faced conditions much worse than what Dilatov and his campers faced. Yeah. So, obviously, that just reaffirms that, you know, these guys knew what they were doing. Um, they would not have made these kind of rookie mistakes that may and i were talking about at the beginning yeah exactly and as we were saying earlier they were they had left a muncie tribe a couple days before um let me double check it was uh, january 23rd they were at the muncie tribe right yeah okay and they had their last message was february 1st in their diaries and so that is a nice sized trip and so after leaving them the um muncie town 
the Muncie people knew the conditions, again, because they're living up there, but the group was not far enough away for the Muncies to have completely different weather scenarios. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important part of this whole situation. But it's it's really interesting how they're all very experienced hikers and mountaineers and um it was a ski trip right they were on skis yeah okay which is awesome my legs hurt thinking about it but it's again rookie mistakes are not really a full it's not a good enough answer at this point so should we get in to some answers <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> So, Kayla, the first theory that we have on our um, our Google Doc here is an avalanche, which I think this is the first one that everyone's mind goes to. You know, it would explain the impact, um, like mm-hmm. the car crash, yeah, it, similar There force. could have been, you know, we never know if there's rocks or chunks of ice or even tree limbs and such in the snow. And that's what's so dangerous about avalanches. You just don't know. And people die from avalanches every year. Um, And so it's just really interesting. But um, the ruckus of snow coming in the night, we're assuming it was night when all this happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, since they set up camp. Yeah, we're assuming all this. um, But they could have heard the snow or felt the 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 rumbles. And so they would have had to woke up and maybe there was already snow covering their... um, exit on the tent so that's why they could have cut it out from the inside mm-hmm. um the snow would have been powerful enough to inflict the car crash like damage but i think everyone would have had that trauma on their bodies mm-hmm. if it <laughs> but like the hikers we talked about this earlier for just a moment why would they camp on the mountain on the slope if they thought there could be even a possibility of an avalanche because avalanches can start from ridiculously small things. It's all about changing the pressure of the snow and how it's packed. And so we would like to think that these um, people would know better. But, you know, there's no evidence of an avalanche when the bodies are found, no damage to tree line, no debris. And there is a haunting picture that um, you can Google. And there, it's a ski pole that was... Um, excuse me, placed in the ground, and there was a picture taken of everyone setting up their camp. It was like the last picture, photo evidence. And then there's a picture of the, the scene after, and the ski pole's in the same place. And it was in the same place when they approached. And, like, the, if there had been an avalanche, that would have been gone. Yeah. That would not have been there. And um, according to weather history there had not been any avalanches in that part of the urals before then or after and so it the avalanche i would like to think it could be that easy yeah but but there's just so many things that doesn't explain like um ludmilla's Mm -hmm. missing facial features yeah no that's i mean you know nose could be hypothermia you know frostbite excuse me you know there's individual pieces of this whole story can be explained Mm -hmm. but when you put them all together like this 
there is no easy answer. And the fact yeah. that there has not been any clear answers or even an idea of a clear answer in 60 years is remarkable. Yeah. And there's just, there's so many little things mm-hmm. that can't be explained by just one theory. Yeah. Just the radiation, the her missing body parts, the force of yeah. the injuries that they took, and just the bizarre uh, state of their campsite. Yeah. And I'm going to skip to the end of our theory list real quick since you just brought up the radiation. Um, a major theory that people have is that they stumbled into a Soviet testing weaponry area. And so this was in the 50s, um, 59. And so this is kind of the height of pre-Cold War angst, um, Soviet Russia's full force kind of taking over Europe and flexing their muscles a little doing bit. Doing its thing. Doing its thing. And, you know, America has places like this too where it's out in nature and it's a kind of a low-key secret about testing facilities. Like, they're all over America and we all know where they are. But in Russia, you know, with back then especially, no clear lines or ways of knowing anything um, that they could have stumbled upon that came into contact with radiation and that's how they could have died from non-external injuries um the yuris for example could have died of radiation poisoning and it would make sense why that wouldn't be on the autopsy because then the government could be in trouble for that um but they could have another theory that kind of ties into this is the kgb um which is the russian secret police um killed them because they had stumbled into this facility and um possibly have taken pictures there's um almost there was three or four cameras that went on this trip with them right and Mm -hmm. the camera that was found with the last four was destroyed the footage was destroyed it was it had like i can't remember it had either water damage or it had just been the film had just been like burned you know in the um conditions and so you don't, we don't know what those last hours were like for them, and anything could have been on that camera. And so that's that's my favorite theory is the um, test facility and the KGB aspect. I think it's a really interesting theory. Again, there's not much to like back it, but it's kind of a fun one to think about. Not fun, but a fun one to think interesting. about. Interesting. Yeah. It piques a lot of interest. But the one that makes the most sense for me, and I don't know about you, Kayla, is the hypothermia um, theory that they died from. Hypothermia and side effects, and I feel like not a lot of people know this. You know, it can cause ir- um, irrational thoughts. You're kind of acting in the moment. You aren't thinking about what could happen. Mm-hmm. Fight or flight, take fight. over. Yeah, and, you know, it's our natural instincts. But there's also this thing where if you are so cold, your body is making so much heat from within, you feel like you're burning. And so I there's a word for this phenomenon, but it would explain why they had removed their clothes. It would explain why they left their shoes. It would explain a lot because they were probably just going through that um, last stage of hypothermia especially the yuris before they died but it kind of kayla it's interesting hypothermia 
with the other group of people didn't seem to be the issue with their deaths. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, we have on our sheet here that their injuries could have been falling into the ravine, um, that little dugout where they were. Again, I would think they'd all have injuries similar if they yeah. had fallen or perhaps one of them fell and they all kind of climbed down. It could just be a lot of things, but why did they leave the campsite? Yeah, that is the question that is not answered by um, this hypothermia theory, along with the radiation, too. Yeah, you know, those aren't things that you would run away from. Yeah. Necessar- I mean, radiation, yes, you should go Run. as soon as you know oh, leave. But, um there's theories about that some some of them got into a fight that there was some girl drama you know like relationship wise or mm-hmm. um someone just snapped which is you know happens all the time it yeah. happens way more than it, we'd like to admit yeah and when you're going through when you're facing tough conditions like the ones that they were facing mm-hmm Someone might have snapped. Someone got stressed, you know. And I believe they were, they had two tents, right? Or yeah. Was it, okay. Two tents, both cut from the inside. That's weird. So I don't think it was just one person. I think there was some issues happening. But again, we have no clue. But yeah. I like to think that they were running from the Yeti. That's the my. Yeti. That's, again, it's weird, but it's so fun to think about. Like, Sasquatch is my favorite um, cryptid in, like, all of America, and I think the Yeti could be real, honestly. You don't know. Seven-year-old May loves this theory because it's so weird. The Yeti, you know, and Kayla and I talked about this a little bit earlier, but it would explain the forces and the power that went into causing those injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just unhuman strength caused two sternums to be broken and skulls to be fractured and a chunk of a skull to be taken from her head you know there's i could i could put it on um unhuman strength i and it kind of goes with the alien theories but the alien theories are so far-fetched it's just not even yeah they've pretty much determined that there's not there's not a lot to that um what was really the hinge of the alien theories was Mm -hmm. um picture number like 33 on one of the cameras it was just kind of a blank picture with some uh dots like Mm -hmm. lights yeah um it was white it was washed out wasn't it yeah and they they have determined that that picture was not taken um by one of them it was uh after it was developed interesting oh the others were developed first oh weird so maybe it got um developed incorrectly yeah that's what they're saying okay that would make a lot of sense but another theory that i've heard relating to the um aliens goes into the nuclear testing facility part and how um a lot of especially here in america where our alien sightings have happened to have been around nuclear test facilities or former places like out on the west coast out in oregon and washington where they had the the big underground um test facilities and area 51 is near um where they developed the atom bomb 
right? Yeah. 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 And so that's where we've seen a lot of quote unquote alien activity. And so the theory is that aliens are attracted to our nuclear sites because of increased technology, because the technology is so large and like appealing. And mm-hmm. a lot in, in Europe, there's been a lot of sightings around um, in Ukraine near. What's it called? Oh, Chernobyl. There's yeah. been a lot of sightings near Chernobyl. Make up that. Okay. <laughs> but so that's really interesting, you know, and again, it's more of a fun one to think about. But I really enjoy the process of combining theories. I think it's really fun. Mm-hmm. Like, and like Kayla said a little bit ago, there is no one conspiracy theory that makes sense for all of what happened in this story. And, you know, that's that's the sad thing about this is that we will never know. And these poor people like, will never have closure mm-hmm. to it. Their families won't have closure. And that's the thing about um, this podcast. And we're going to be covering different types of cases, not always just conspiracy theories um, like this. We will be doing... Um, cold cases sometimes that um, of murder cases that have wild conspiracy theories with them and it's just so sad that like yes we can acknowledge that the theories are fun but in reality people have died yeah and these are real people these are real people um these are college students like we are and it's just like very humbling to think about but I think they, they seemed like a fun group of people with their little newspaper and stuff. I've read some quotes from it on the web on the websites we looked at. And it was just kind of fun spring break trip mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, just and, an outing with your friends. Yeah, and so I think they'd be big on the conspiracy theory train if they, um, you know, talked about it. Like, if they were, like, talking about a different case. I think they'd be big on that, too. So, but, so that's been the Dilatov Pass incident it's crazy freaky yeah mysterious russian (laughs) no it's in all seriousness this is a very crazy case Mm -hmm. and i think it's really cool that they've reopened an investigation um but that was back in may when they made the most recent um public announcement about the investigation right Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, that's... Yeah, I don't think they've really found anything. Or they're keeping it private. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kayla, I don't know if you experienced this also, but, like, when I was kind of skimming through websites and everything and uh, just getting deeper and deeper, you get kind of stopped at some points. Like, you know, it's just like a dead end of information. And in some podcasts I've listened to or other um, blogs I've read about this is that the Russian government is very closed up about this mm-hmm. case, especially. And I mean, I don't blame them. If the people died, and it's a very scary situation, but that goes into the test site theory that they're kind of trying to cover something up. And you know, I don't want to make assumptions, but that would make sense. You know, America's done plenty of the same thing, so it's just really interesting the research that people do for the Dilatov Pass. Like, people are still very passionate and are still working to find answers, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, I think that's all we have, Kayla. Yep. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay tuned to TommyMedia.com for full St. Thomas stories and, of course, more cold facts, hot takes to come. For Kayla Mayer, I'm A. McFarlane. Yeah.